Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Thank you so much, Gary. That's our announcer, Gary Owen. And as always, thank you to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. Find fantastic podcasts at tangentboundnetwork.com and all your entertainment needs are at axtel.com. Now, those of you that listen know that I like to try to keep the content evergreen. We don't really refer to dates usually, uh, specifically dates where the shows air. But as of the date of this airing, May 19th, 2017, we are one day away from the series finale of one of the most critically acclaimed animated shows ever. I'm talking, of course, about Samurai Jack. The show ran for four seasons on Cartoon Network, ending in 2004. Thirteen years later, Jack came back. But it grew up with its audience. The 10-episode fifth season has been airing on Adult Swim since March. The slightly edgier return also features a binge-worthy storyline that will hopefully satisfy the characters' arcs when it airs its final episode tomorrow night. Earlier this week, I sat down with Samurai Jack himself, Phil Lamar, to discuss the series' legacy. We talk about making that leap from Cartoon Network to the late-night Adult Swim block, and what it has been like returning to the character after so much time. Plus, Lamar honors his late co-star, the iconic voice artist Mako, who played series villain Aku during its original run. Plus, we also discuss one of my other favorite shows Lamar has been a part of, Mad TV. The show, which he describes as the underdog in sketch comedy, ran for 14 seasons and garnered five Emmy wins. Let's get right to it. Here now to tell us how to get back, back to the past, our interview with Phil Lamar. Watcha! Phil Lamar, welcome to Talk for Two. How are you today, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for calling in on the week where Samurai Jack is about to air its series finale. How does that feel for you? Ten episodes, ten years, over ten years after it wrapped. I mean, what does coming back mean to you? Uh, well, this week is, of course, a little bittersweet because I love the show. I always have, and to have the chance to come back and do it again was I mean, literally a dream come true. And to have uh, Gendy Tartakovsky and, and the other artists involved just bring it back at such an incredibly high level mm-hmm. has been uh, just a joy to be a part of. The quality is amazing. Now, I'm curious, in those first four years that you guys were doing it, was there always a discussion that it that it should be a little more adult? Because it, it seems I've seen episodes from both the, that first run and the new run, and it, it seems like this just fits even more to a T. Was there was that a conversation even over a decade ago that it that it should be more adult oriented? No, I don't think so. Um, one because I mean the the show Gendy did before this was um, Dexter's Laboratory. Yes. Which was obviously even more, you know, for a young mm-hmm. audience. Um, I think the the maturity in the the show now is more about the the you know the intervening years the the fact that we're all now you know a good 13 14 years older mm-hmm. and farther along in our careers and are have different things to say um, 
I think it's it's more like what the show might have evolved into mm-hmm. had it continued for that amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, though, the problem is when you have a show that's successful enough to go that long, you're usually not allowed to change that much. Right. <laughs> you know? Such as, such as uh, children's animation in, in general. You get a formula, you stick to it. I mean, look at SpongeBob. Look at something like SpongeBob that's been on right. the air almost 20 years. They didn't grow up with their audience. They stayed for the kids. So do you think, are you saying that you think if it would have stayed on for the last 13 intervening years, that it wouldn't have grown up with its audience? Or do you think it's a show that would have done that? Um. Well, it depends, because I think only in rare cases mm-hmm. do creators have the clout to override, you know, the, the business imperatives. Mm-hmm. I mean, the original show, obviously, was done in the early 2000s. We had to do each episode in and of itself. Each episode was a single contained story. You couldn't have the character, you know, change over the course of a season, because the network wouldn't be able to play any episode in any order at any point. You know, that was the old uh, paradigm. That was the old way of doing shows. Mm-hmm. Now, with binge-watching and Netflix and people, you know, putting out an entire series, you know, a whole season all at once, most more people and more executives are used to the idea of a show telling one long story or evolving. I mean... Before this, the only the closest I can think of was uh, Bruce Tim on Justice League. Yeah, Bruce got to a point where he felt he had told all the stories with the the seven core Justice League members, and was ready to shelve the show. The network wanted the show badly enough that they said, "Well, well, well," and then he said, "Well, what if I change the show and it became Justice League Unlimited?" Right, and that was an example of an artist you know, evolving, and the show evolving with him. But, you know, those examples are incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what it was like for you as a as the voice team, you and, and everyone else in the cast, to come back and to be experiencing this new format of the show with it being a serial, with it being an Adult Swim show. What was it like for you? Was it challenging or was it just fun? Um, both. Because, um, again... I'm further along in my career. I mean, mm-hmm. Samurai Jack was probably one of the first shows that I was the lead of right. um, when it when it began. Um, since then, I've done a lot more work, and I I don't know if I'd have been able to do what is being required of me this season in terms of performance. You know, I think, um, and thankfully, Gendy had faith in my ability to you know really push me to to do what he needed to do for this story. You know, there's a lot more emotion. Um, and in, in mixed in with the action mm-hmm. and it needed to be grounded, you know? So, uh, it's been a, ch- a good challenge in that sense that you get a great script and it requires you to do, you know, big stuff. And you're like, let me, let me at it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's incredible. Now. So you're saying that since Samurai Jack was, your first thing that you were lead in, of course, your your list of voice work. We're going to get to Mad TV in a second, um, but uh, your list of voice work. I mean, it reads like a who's who of, of TV shows, especially with Cartoon Network. Was Samurai Jack the early edition? Was that your introduction to voice work, or was there stuff even earlier? No, no. I 
think, if I'm not mistaken, it, oh, the history is all a little blurry now, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I had started on Futurama oh, um, and uh, The Weekenders before that and, um, and was probably doing some guest work on Family Guy. Um, I, the, the big question is whether... I can't remember whether Static Shock or Samurai Jack started first. They both started about the same time, very mm-hmm. close together. Uh, but and those were the two where I was, you know, carrying the weight of being the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, the others were more ensemble shows, or I was a supporting character, um, which is still just as fun. I mean, you know, because you're always doing multiple voices um, in in these these shows. But uh, but it is different when you're you know the main guy and it's it's it sort of becomes your house yeah you know and everyone who comes and in samurai jack really the only people who were there through all the episodes were myself and mako yeah as the the voice of aku so yeah it was it was very strange coming back without him Mm -hmm. i mean you guys were were a duo for those four years what has it? What was it like going into that recording booth without, you know, your your co-star and having to have somebody step in to play that role, but wasn't the person you'd worked with for years? I mean, that rarely happens outside of animation. So, how did that feel for you? Um, it it was. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, it wasn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. Mako had passed away several years ago. Yes. Um, but it was definitely a question. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, it wasn't a given how Gendy would, you know, approach it. Would he, you know, use old dialogue? Would he minimize the character of Aku? Uh, would he, you know, um, fortunately, I mean, I had met Greg Baldwin, who took over the role uh, a few times before. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't some stranger out of nowhere. And... He had also um, replaced um, Mako on Legend on um, uh, Last Airbender, Avatar: The Last Airbender, taking over her role. So, I mean, in terms of sound, it was you know it was a slam dunk. He was he was the guy, and I think I don't know. I, I haven't actually gotten to talk to him about it. I know it's big shoes to fill, um, and he's done a fantastic job. And he's also gotten to go places with the character that um, Mako didn't really, you mm-hmm. know, cause, which is true for him and for me. Um, that you know, this new season has taken both characters to new places. Did you always want to be a voice actor? Um, I'm not a voice actor. Hmm. I'm an actor. Yeah. Sometimes I use my voice. Sometimes I use my face. Sometimes I use my body, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, to me, it's a false delineation. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to get the chance to act in many different mediums and, uh, and, and happy to do them, you know? Yeah. Because that's the, that's the job is, you know, when can I play? When can I go make believe? And however you'd like me to do it, I'm there. 
Well, one of my favorite lands of make-believe. And I, I watched this, I will admit I'm 22, I watched this as a way too young child to even understand it. It's, it's actually been interesting <laughs> uh, going back and watching some old clips and stuff. Mad TV. That, mm. uh, tell me about, that had to be a blast. Mad TV and, and your time on that show. And it was really one of the longest running sketch shows, I think, outside of SNL. I mean, yeah, tell me which, about that. Yeah, which was, a, a, I think, a surprise to, to all of us. Um, because it, uh, it was never a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, it always felt like it was sort of the scrappy underdog, you know, and lucky to still be on the air. And then it wound up going for, I think, 13 or 14 years. Um, it's also a tough job. Um, I don't think as hard as SNL. I mean, that's, that sounds like gladiator school from what <laughs> I've been told, but, um, doing an, an hour of sketch comedy um, is work, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I think any hour show um, is hard on the, on the people who do it. And an hour of comedy, I think there's an, an, an added degree of difficulty because it's not just the hours. It's also trying desperately to make it work, you know. And I always joke that in drama, you can get near the target. In comedy, you got to hit the bullseye. Yeah. Nobody ever watches a dramatic scene and goes, oh, well, that didn't make me cry. It sucked. <laughs> exactly. You know, but people yeah. will definitely say that if it doesn't make them laugh. Does, yeah. <laughs> uh. So, uh, and, uh, I mean, the truth is in sketch comedy, sketch comedy is a little bit like baseball. Mm-hmm. If you hit one out of three, you're doing really well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and well, with sketch comedy, is there something for everybody? You know, not everybody's gonna like Miss Swan, not everybody's gonna like Stuart, but there are gonna be people that, you know, show up for, for their particular favorite sketches. And what I liked is right. that uh, the show never focused on guest uh, on guest stars. You uh, mm. you all kind of came out and did little MC bits, if I'm remembering correctly, and, and it was mm. never about that central figure every week. Uh, was that tough? No. Was that tough, not having those fresh voices come in for every show and just keeping it and all these ensemble players and solely these ensemble players? No, I think that actually helped hmm. because it gave us more time to create our own characters and have the audience get attached to them mm-hmm. um, and not have to you know, worry that you get a bad guest star one week and that tanks your your character's sketch. You know, your characters live and, lived and died on their own merits. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, I've always thought that that's the difference between Mad and SNL. Mad TV was a sketch comedy show. SNL is a variety show. Yeah, People tune in to see a celebrity, tell jokes, or wear a wig. They tune in to hear music, you know, and the sketches are also part of it. You know, like the old Carol Burnett show, or Sonny and Cher show, they did sketches, but nobody ever called those sketch comedy shows. Mm-hmm. You know, because you were tuning in for the personalities. You know, you're tuning in to see, you know, Cher talk to, you know, Mitzi Gaynor or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think SNL has an element of that. Mm-hmm. You know, along with its topicality and like, oh, this is live, this, is hap- this joke is only going to be funny right now. Yeah. You know, um, Mad TV had a different uh, challenge. You, your stuff needed to be more evergreen because you were shooting it a couple of months in advance. 
and it, it was character driven, you know, and you could you had to have an ending for your sketches. You couldn't just cut to the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I'm curious. I mean, it's always sensitive to ask about egos and personalities, but the 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 egos and the tension in SNL and the, and the vying are legendary. You know, the vying for mm. spots. Was it like that at Mad TV? I could imagine that you it was more family and more everybody kind of got their equal share. I mean, or or was it um, was there some competitive nature to getting your sketches on air? Well, no, the stakes were much lower. Mm-hmm. Because one, we were not NBC, right? And there was not a history of people being launched into superstardom. I mean, when you those minutes on SNL are worth gold, mm-hmm. you know. When we started Mad TV, well, there were a lot of people who would say, "Oh, you're on Fox? No, we don't get cable." You know, <laughs> we were so far down the the line um, that it wasn't, you know make or break. You weren't going to embarrass yourself in front of, you know, hundreds of millions of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and definitely it was less cutthroat. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now I want to move back to Samurai Jack. It, it ends mm-hmm. this week. We're actually airing this special uh, to, to coincide with the series finale. Okay. I am curious, I, if you don't want to talk about this, we don't have to, but there was a lot of controversy with Scarlett Johansson getting cast in Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you ever received any, I have never read anything online or anything like that, but if you personally ever received any backlash for playing an Asian character and, and not being Asian, it's not even about you know being black or anything, just not being right. the race of the character that, that you're playing. Was that ever a conversation with Gendy or, or has anybody ever mentioned it to you? Um, no, but I've thought about it. I thought about it at the, at the outset. Um, there, it's, it's, it's a complex issue. One, that conversation was not happening 17 years ago mm-hmm. when we began. It, it just it simply wasn't. There wasn't that level of consciousness. Um, I thought about it simply being an, an actor of color mm-hmm. and being conscious of, oh, wow, this is someone else. I do know that um, other Asian actors had auditioned. I, I mean, I saw them. Um, I think, weirdly, the politics of it are impacted by my race. Hmm. Um, How do you mean? In the sense that, well, there is not a history of black people putting on yellow face. Right. It doesn't tie into, um, I mean, because a lot of this is about what has happened in the past. You know, yeah. Um, if, if Mickey Rooney had never done Breakfast in Tiffany, if you know John Wayne had never been cast as Genghis Khan, you know, then this this level of sensitivity around this issue would be, you know, much less. It's the same with blackface. You know, white white performers playing characters of color of of any color. It's tied to a history of oppression. Mm-hmm. You know that that the that the whatever face performance was an example of. You know, it's like look at these people we keep down. Let's make fun of them while we've got our foot on their neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so because this cross racial casting does not have those echoes, 
I think it is less of a, uh, you know, a negative touchstone for people. Um, and also, I think because, I mean, I like to think that um, the quality of the show and the, the, the sense of the character add into that because it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. this is a positive portrayal and not a negative. It's, it's I feel, informed enough that it's not mocking. Mm-hmm. It's not appropriating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just simply a portrayal. Yeah, a portrayal you know? that, that honors the culture. And, you know, as a, as a white guy myself that, you know, really knows nothing about Asian culture, certainly nothing about Asian culture at the time of the samurai, you know, I still get the sense that you're not, it's not parodying anything. It's telling a story in that time period that is very respectful. So now mm-hmm. you might not know much about this, but um, just from the creative end, what are you aware of in terms of the research that they do for that authenticity? How do they make sure that everything stays, uh, that it really is a world and, and isn't that parody, that, that mocking? What, well, what... because the, the, the artists, the storyboard artists are the writers. Mm-hmm. Um, those ideas come from them, and they come from things they know. I know that um, Brian Andrews, uh, one of the original writers and artists, and and on the current uh, season as well, you know, has s- deeply studied um, martial arts and Asian culture for years and years. And I know that he, in particular, um, when the episodes he's done, you know, the the monks, he makes sure to make sure that it's authentic. Mm-hmm. And the the idea is that the people who are making this are aware of what they're portraying. It's all they're also aware that it's stylized. It mm-hmm. is not a documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, but what they borrow, they borrow truthfully and respectfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an episode a couple of um, <clears throat> weeks ago where Jack does a Japanese tea ceremony. Yes, saw that. And they made sure that it was exactly on point. Mm-hmm. You know, because they care and they know that it matters. And it does. It It was really interesting to watch that and then the cut back and forth between uh, <laughs> that and uh, Ashi <laughs> with, the, yeah. with the fight. I mean, uh, yeah, but between the most quiet, you know, tea ceremony and one of the most brutal fights <laughs> of the entire series. That was that's such an interesting and creative dynamic and it's it's what I, I've come to love about the show is is how artfully it is crafted every episode. Mm-hmm. I mean uh Gendy does a lot with twenty two minutes and yeah. uh it's really beautiful to see. So uh my last question for you, I never let my guests escape without this one. I know we're over time here, but what is your advice to those that uh, want to get into acting. I know you don't identify as a voice actor, but want to get into acting and want to have steady work in this industry. Um, hmm. I, it's, people come up and ask me that a lot, and it's very, very difficult because I believe that everyone has their own individual path. And, that, and it's, it's borne out. Everybody I know in the business, you know, um, has come at it from a different path. So it's hard to tell anybody 
what they should do. Mm-hmm. I mean, some in general, I've always strove, striven to, I'm an actor, I want to act. Don't make excuses for why you're not performing. Mm-hmm. Find ways to do it, despite whatever those excuses might be. Um, and also, uh, it's a hard road. And people have to be aware that sometimes temperament is the thing that will, you know, separate the people who move forward from the people who don't, not talent. Mm-hmm. I've seen enormously talented people, people who are way better performers than I am, fall by the wayside simply because they couldn't take the uncertainty, the not knowing. Uh, people always talk about the rejection. Rejection is easy. Not knowing if you're going to be able to pay your rent, not knowing if you're going to be able to support a family, that's hard. Mm-hmm. And there are no guarantees in this business. Yeah. Well, Phil Lamar, one thing is guaranteed. You are excellent as Samurai Jack. And uh, it is sad to see an era come to a close, but I'm sure uh, that this episode is going to be epic uh, as the whole series has been. So I look forward to seeing it. And thank you so much for your time. This was really cool. All right. Thank you, Matt. Good to talk with you. Mr. Phil Lamar, thank you so much for a great discussion about a wide range of topics regarding Samurai Jack and your career. I really appreciate your openness. This was really wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot wait for the series finale of Samurai Jack tomorrow night, Saturday, May 20th, at 11 p.m. Eastern on Adult Swim, part of Cartoon Network. That's it for us today. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Talk for Two. And on Instagram, it's at Talk for Two Pod. Remember to visit the mothership, talkfor2.com, and reach out by emailing talkfor2cast at gmail.com. I'd also like to say thank you again to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. We talked about them at the top of the show. Signing off for Talk for Two, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com. <laughs>